new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's up? It's Thursday, May 7th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, joined right now by 24-7 Sports National College Football writer Chris Hummer. Chris, how are you doing? Doing great, man. Uh, You helped me solve some Googling issues earlier, so uh, I'm feeling good after figuring that out, so we're all good. Yeah, so we were Googling. We had to do a lot of data, uh, a lot of data investigation for a piece you've got now over at 247sports.com about the coaching salary crisis and the fact that we might have hit the bubble and it might be bursting as far as salaries and COVID-19 and the fact that athletic departments, a lot of them are, are needing their coaches to take pay cuts or in the case of Boise State, even be furloughed. And Chris, this is something you've been working on now for a few weeks. It's something that you thought of sort of immediately when we hit this coronavirus pandemic. And it's a smart idea, right? The economy all around us is being affected. Why would college football coaches and their salaries not be? So kind of tell tell us all what this story is and what you found, and then we're going to kind of peel into it. Yeah, so like the college coaching salary thing is interesting because for the last 10 years, as the economy's boomed, coaching salaries have kind of jumped with it, like to extreme levels in some cases. For instance, the average salary of the top five coaches in college football in 2009 was $3.9 million. Uh, last year, the top five coaches in college football made eight, uh, $8 million kind of on average. So coaching salary booms are way outpacing inflation. Um, and with the economy headed towards a pretty a pretty desperate time, potentially a recession. That's where we're kind of headed in the projections. Um, It stands to reason, as you said, that um, coaching salaries might come down from it. Um, Athletic departments across the country are cutting salaries. Arizona just on Wednesday took, uh, had their coaches like Kevin Sumlin take a 20% pay cut. And I talked to a couple of administrators who are in positions where they had to do that. Some agents, some professors, Um, even some coaches off to the side kind of about their thoughts about this. And I think the general idea is, at least in the short term, coaches might have to take a bit of a haircut in terms of salary. But over the long term, based on the market and some of the restraints that aren't on the market, coaches are probably still going to be fine because it's an industry where it's so competitive to kind of be at the top. And those coaches are usually compensated like that. You started with the story with an anecdote from Jamie Pollard, who, if you don't know who Jamie Pollard is, he's the director of athletics at Iowa State. Not a big school, but one of the best ADs in the country. And if you've ever been to Ames, Iowa, you would understand the job that Pollard has. It's pretty tough. And he's done a really nice job. He's made some really nice hires. And Matt Campbell is probably his best hire yet. That's saying something, too, because he's made some nice basketball hires. But anyway, Chris, Jamie Pollard was telling you that they they knew that early on that they had to make some sort of sacrifice to keep their athletic department up and running and they thought about they thought about layoffs right they thought about 
furloughs or, or some sort of you know haircut in that regard. And, and Jamie Pollard realized that, look, we've got to have our top earners take a 10% pay cut. And he pitched that to his coaches, and his coaches, all of them, agreed that that was the right measure. And I just kind of want to know, like, when you when you talk to Jamie and you you got his you got his plan and you sort of spoke to him about that, I would imagine you were pretty impressed by his foresight to know what was coming, and then also his ability to sell that message to his coaches. Because I look, even if they're multimillionaires, like a ten percent pay cut's not a fun thing to get. Yeah, definitely not. Like I think Matt Campbell off the top of my head makes three point six million, so ten percent of that you're looking at a $360,000 essentially per year that you're losing. And that's, that's a significant haircut. But the way Jamie Pollard sold it to his staff is like, we have to make up $5 million somewhere. And I want to, I want to stress, that's kind of the importance of the story. That $5 million is only from the loss of the big 12 basketball tournament and the NCAA tournament, which is why kind of the question of future coaching salaries is important because if football is impacted in any way, those numbers change. But when you just talk about that 5 million, he looked at like he did like a model where you would lay off 30 staff members and that only saves you 1.4 million a year to get to that 5 million mark. He would have had to lay off 90 of his 180 employees, essentially, which just wasn't going to work. So when Jamie Pollard approached his head coaches, his hires earners, he essentially said, like, if you want Iowa State to be what it's been, which is kind of this. Uh, athletic department that outpaces expectations and kind of outdoes what everybody projects them to be based on where they're at in the country. Like we have to retain these people. And the only way that can happen is if you take a bit of a haircut now. And that's kind of how we sold the message and they all agreed. And it helps that Matt Campbell doesn't have an agent. I think uh, he's one of only a few in college football that has that kind of at the top of his profession, but that is the strategy he took. But um there could be further cuts kind of on the horizon across the country just because of that kind of looming question about football. Are you under, I, I don't know what your opinion is on it. So there are in 2019, there were 16 coaches who made over 5 million a year. And I just kind of looked at that number. That's a benchmark number. And it's also the number that Pollard used as a sort of way to you know save the money they had lost from the conference tournament getting cut. I don't think, unless I'm mistaken, Chris, like, have we seen a, a pay cut yet from for any of these top earners? Has Kirby Smart taken a pay cut? Has Tom Herman taken a pay cut? James Franklin, Dabo, Nick Saban? Like, these are the guys who you actually could save a lot of money, right, if you ask them to take a 10% pay cut. Yeah, so far we haven't seen. And those those coaches are obviously at the schools that usually have the largest athletic departments and the largest budgets. I think Clemson's the exception. Clemson's probably somewhere in the 20s in terms of athletic department revenue, but all those other programs are in the top 10 and none of them have taken haircuts yet. But I think that's largely because at least for now, those programs have the reserves necessary uh, to kind of weather that storm. Uh, most of those schools can conceivably put away $20 million a year in the bank just to kind of save it. Although I would point out, and this is something that um, UAB athletic director, Mark Ingram told me, like he worked at Tennessee and he knows there are constantly projects going on and constantly kind of money being allotted places and they're paying off debt for old projects. So a lot of those schools might be okay for now, but that might not be the same answer in a couple months. You see a lot of stories out there every once in a while about CEOs who take no salary for a year to help their employees. You wonder if push comes to shove what these top earning college football coaches would do if they had to. I'm not saying like they, sh they should. That's not really my opinion, to be honest with you, that 
that Yasmail Zahn doesn't take a salary. Yeah, con- I'm sure he would be okay, but it is interesting just like if we do go down that road. Yeah, at the end of the day, like I'm not making that argument either. A contract's a contract. Ultimately, this comes down to generosity and a coach's department on a coach's part. Because there are a lot of employees in those departments in the short term that aren't under contracts like they are with like large buyouts. So if it came down to if the coach could just take his money and force the athletic department's hand and make them cut it in other places. I think when a coach kind of has to bend in the short term to kind of help the athletic department get through that, that is them doing a kind thing to kind of prevent everybody else from getting laid off. Or as Jamie Pollard said, making significant cuts to who coaches are or what the program is. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I got you. I'm kind of triggering myself every time we mention haircut because I need one. (laughs) Same. Same. I need need at least four or five inches off my head right now. No, it's, it's pretty bad. So, so Chris, what's, what's the future here? So we've got coaches maybe taking pay cuts, but if, if we're actually going to have a bubble burst, then that suggestion would be Nick Saban takes a pay cut and and doesn't ever get an increased salary again, right? Like, let's say out, this is a total nuclear option here, but Alabama goes, "Hey, we got to go. We got to go twenty percent cut, coach, and you're not going to be able to get that back for a few years." So that would be one argument. Now, you and I don't really think that's going to happen because the 1% is the 1%. But in the cases of a Purdue, this would probably affect like their ability in the future to retain a guy like Jeff Brom. This would probably affect the mid-tier coaches or the mid-tier schools from paying competitive money. And then the small schools, Chris, I want to get your thoughts on this. They probably wouldn't be able to pay, like I think all of those schools, and I'm talking group of five schools, lower level power five schools, like the, the salary stipulation sort of that's where that would drop. Yeah, I think there's I think there's two separate questions there. First of all, like when you talk about a bubble, I think in the short term, it's reasonable to expect that coaching salaries for the most part, and there will always be exceptions, will mostly stay static for a year or two if football is impacted in any way. Like I think we've talked on this podcast before what football means to the athletic departments and their budgets. It's so important that if we're not having a football season this year or ticket sales are impacted in a significant way, it's going to be a really difficult environment for athletic directors and coaches to push through races for these coaches. I don't think everybody's going to take a kind of a pay cut like we've seen in some places, but I think it would be unreasonable to suggest that the large majority of coaches are going to continue to get races, which has kind of been the standard in college football the last three or four, let's shoot. The last decade, if you have a good season or two, you get a pay raise. Otherwise, your agent shops you around and you go somewhere else. Like that's kind of how college football's worked. And that's how the kind of market of college football's contracts and coaching searches works. It's just how it is. Like the question of like, is that wrong is something else for another day. When you talk about how group of five schools can keep up, I think... I kind of thought going into this would be magnified, but I would say that everybody's going to be under the same stress if we're in the same situation. The group of five schools might not have as much money to allot normally to it, but their losses year over year are also going to be considerably less than what the kind of power five programs are losing. Uh, For example, like Texas every year brings in, I believe, $110 million through ticket sales, donations, and kind of, uh, I think, 
just ticket sales and donations, actually. I think it's just those two things. And if the season's impacted and they lose two or three home games, they're going to lose a significant chunk of their revenue. And the I think $6 million a year Tom Herman's going to make is going to be that much harder to reach. And the same thing is true of uh, Western Michigan, which might only pay its head coach $800,000 a year. That's going to be kind of equal. I think over time, it could be harder for a group of five coaches to keep their coaches and to be competitive salaries. But I don't think the differences will be that extreme on that element of things. Do you think the Power Five schools would have a more difficult time keeping their keeping their coaches? Let's say, let's say fast forward two years, the Dallas Cowboys have moved on from Mike McCarthy. They want Lincoln Riley. Can Oklahoma, which you know, assumedly would would give Riley a pay raise every single year to just play that game and keep him away? Like, does it, can Oklahoma up the ante from six point five to nine? I guess it depends on how oil's doing. I'm, I'm kidding about that. No, but no, you're well. You're right about it, oil. It is I, bit, yeah. I, I, the Texas A&M. The we, we're not going to talk about buyouts here. That's a, another total different conversation. But the buyouts are going to be different too, especially if you're at a school like Texas or Texas A&M, which is so oil dependent. No, I think. And you're, think, you're like, hey, do we want to pay 20 million to send Tom Herman packing? Because that's a lot of that's a lot of money now. Buyouts is a great point. Like, I think that's going to be affected. I think kind of the optics of paying a coach 15 million to go away is going to change considerably the next couple of years. And that's an excellent point in terms of contracts. The college football daily. will be right back. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Finally, not like they got here. Walk to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. I think school, especially these larger athletic departments, as long as this isn't something that carries over for more than a year or two, we'll be able to kind of up that ante year after year if necessary, just because there are always funds to a lot and you can make cuts elsewhere. Because I think when you look at coaching salaries, there's one important thing to recognize, and it's that there are very few elite coaches in college football, and they really matter. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier about this story and like, for example, Alabama, not just from a revenue perspective. And since Nick Saban's arrived on campus, the tide revenue has jumped over 110 million. But from an academics perspective, like the quality of applicant in Alabama has increased considerably. I believe they were at like 13% of their students uh, and freshmen earning over a 30 on the ACT in 2006. Last year, it was 40%. So like, uh, elite football coach like that can not only change winning on the field, he can change an entire university. And I think that 1% will always be paid like that. And that's probably why this story will be moot in a couple of years, because somebody's going to push the ante and people are going to chase. But when you're talking about those kind of middle tier coaches like that Jeff Brown that you mentioned, who might not be winning at a rate that is equal to what they're being paid, I think their salaries might be throttled especially over the next couple of years as a result of this outbreak. Yeah. I mean, no fault to Jeff Brom injuries kind of marred Purdue in 2019, but he made 6.6 million to not make a bowl game. Yeah. I didn't mean to point out Jeff Brown specifically. No, I mean, I brought him up, but yeah, that type of coach. But that's an example of a non one percenter program paying 1% type money to keep a coach that it usually would not be able to keep. And, And to be honest with you, Iowa state has to play that game too. And that's where this gets really interesting is like, 
Iowa State has been really generous with with uh, contract extensions for, for Matt Campbell, for raises for Matt Campbell, and it does that when Michigan State comes calling or when Tennessee sniffs around and whatnot. But it's going to be interesting, like, you know, what's the what's the breaking point like what at what at what program when you go from 1 to 65 where do you get to the breaking point where Iowa State like what what's the program that goes can't match that offer go ahead and go like Penn State's going to match the offer for James Franklin that a USC or a Florida State hypothetically would throw out Penn State matches that Iowa State can you match that going forward can Oklahoma State match that going forward. That's gonna, that's what's going to be really interesting about all this. Yeah, and there, there are plenty of coaches out there like that. Um, if you just kind of scroll down the USA Today salary database, like I think I think 2010, uh, 3.7 million would have been the fifth highest paid coach in the country. Right now, Bronco Mendenhall and Dana Holgerson are getting $3.7 million a year. And inflation plays a part in that, but that just kind of shows you how rapidly the salary kind of push from college athletics is gone for coaches. And I think for at least some programs, as you said, we're pretty close to a breaking point because at a certain point, especially when the economy drops, like we're just not going to be able to keep up. Well, another question, another one here is, is South Carolina wouldn't necessarily be considered a one percenter, right? So, but, but Will Muschamp in 2019, Will Muschamp made, as I look it up, all right. Coach Boom made four point four million. He's on the hot seat, right? His buyout is in the twelve to fifteen million dollar range. So if South Carolina doesn't like how things go in twenty twenty and buys out Will Muschamp, does its next coach? Is it assumed that that coach is going to make way less than four point four million? Like, and, and so then that lends to the question of like, what 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 candidate is South Carolina hiring? Is South Carolina hiring? a coveted power five coach, Chris, or is South Carolina taking a flyer on a group of five coach who's cool with making 3.5? Yeah. And I, I think we saw that. I mean, it was before this happened, but we saw that at Arkansas this year. Uh, obviously Arkansas got turned down by a couple of people, but Sam Pittman's making considerably less than his peers in the SEC this year. And I think it's a question for the universities about what they prioritize and what they view as a winning coach that deserves that kind of sum as they chase the 1% at the top. And in a place like the SEC, you might not have a choice to spend over time because that's the only way you maintain kind of a competitive balance. But I think it'll be really interesting in three or four years, especially as we know more about kind of the effects of COVID-19 on college athletics and and quite honestly with the NIL stuff coming up soon. I think that's going to change finances as well. I think we could see some of these mid-tier coaching salaries certainly throttled. And I, I do wonder like how high we can go with kind of coaching compensation at the top. I think Davo Sweeney is at 9.3 million, which I think outpaces every NFL coach by a pretty significant margin. Like that I can't imagine can go much higher. Like especially with the economy crashing around. It's just not it's not feasible. I think he'll stay around that number, but like are we looking at fifteen million in twenty twenty or in twenty thirty? Like it's possible, but that just, it seems a little extreme given kind of the economic landscape that we're entering pretty soon. Hmm. Yeah. No one knows. going to be interesting to see what happens. I are interesting. I mean, it's going to be, it's kind of more morbid than interesting, but Chris, good job on the story. I know you worked really hard on it. I encourage everyone to go check it out. 
I'm going to send us out unless you've got anything else you want to say about this thing, Chris. Yeah, I think I think that mostly covers it. I, I think it's really interesting, before I let you go, that a couple athletic directors, and even Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, essentially pointed out that this is going to make you kind of reflect on what's important in college athletics. Um, I think he was talking about coaching style. He was talking about coaching style specifically in that, but a guy like Jamie Pollard was talking about the whole system. And I, we kind of, we see some of these inflection sport points in life, just in general, like points in history that really kind of change things. And it's not just coaching salaries coming out of COVID-19. That's one aspect of things, but this is going to, in a lot of ways, when we look back at it in 10 years, going to change the way we look at college athletics in general. And I think that's something really important to keep in mind as we watch kind of the cascading effects of this. Like it doesn't really have anything to do with this story particularly, but for example, like Jamie Pollard said, they're not going to send out paper tickets uh, in 2020 uh, for their football games. Like a lot of their donors have loved that for a long time, but like, that's not something they're going to do. And that's a, that's a really positive thing for the program. It saves them money and it's also safer. Uh, Jamie Pollard also really thought he was going to see a spike in people watching big 12 now on ESPN plus. Cause when you're calling to your grandkids and you're kind of talking to your grandkids on zoom, like internet TV doesn't seem as kind of intimidating to a new generation. So I think these are all things to kind of keep in mind as we come out of this. And coaching salaries is certainly near the top of the list just because it's such a big number. But we're going to see a cascading effect coming out of uh, kind of this crisis whenever we do. All right. Well, good stuff, Chris. Thanks for coming on. And and that's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. Please go read Chris's story at 247sports.com. We've got a lot of content this week. This is one of the better pieces. And, And Chris, Brandon Marcello, and Bud Elliott also last week sort of explored the fate of the 2020 college football season. So check that out too. Two really good enterprise type stories by our national team. And by the way, when you're talking about checking things out, give us a five-star rating, leave us a review, tell us what you think of Chris's article. And uh, we'd really appreciate that. For Chris Hummer, for our producer, Tiny Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. We will see you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS. Monday, 9, 8 central. On CBS. And streaming on Paramount+. Plus.